0: Is we're going to talk about some big plans today. We're going to talk about some big decisions and commitments. Some things that I think the Lord is calling us to do as a, uh, as a congregation, as a church. One of the things that got into my mind was no matter how big we think God is, our view of God is too small. That no matter how great we think God is, our view of God's greatness is too small. That no matter how um, big a commitment we make into Him, our commitment in comparison to what He has done is too small. And so today we're going to talk about some big ideas and some big things. But the truth is, they are nothing compared to the God that we serve. They are nothing in light of the sacrifice that He made. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 13. And I just want to explain to you that I'm doing a very dangerous thing today. Almost always when we do a weekend like Glow, or we do a Disciple Now in the past, I've done Disciple Now weekends, that it's almost always best To have a young, energetic, funny guy speak on the Sunday morning, and here's the reason: because in about ten minutes, this group of people and some of you parents out there are going to be the most still that you have been in about two days, and eyelids are going to get very heavy. All right, I'm going to ask you to work to stay with me because I believe that what we're going to talk about today is one of the most important things this church has ever talked about, and I mean. ever and the thing that god is calling us to today is one of the most important things that god has ever called this church to ever now i don't generally make those kind of big statements you know this time of year when basketball games are going on you'll hear things like that's the greatest basketball game ever and people say that all the time and every game is better than the last and they gets to where it means nothing So I'm not one of those guys that says that a lot, but I believe that today what we're going to talk about is one of the biggest moments in the life of this church ever. In Numbers chapter 13, and I know most pastors don't go to Numbers to talk about big things, but in reading through the Bible this year, God has brought some passages to life, some things that I remembered, some things that I didn't remember, some stories, and just kind of put them in our lives. The first sermon I ever preached here was on Ephesians chapter 3. And out of that sermon, I said that I believe God wanted to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. That he wanted to do greater things than we could ever imagine in our lives. And I believe to this day that God still wants and desires to do things that we cannot ask or imagine in this church. And he wants to use us to do it. And what I believe is that we are at a moment, much like in the book of Numbers, where we are finally at a place where God says it's time to go. And the question is whether or not we will say, yes, Lord. My life verse, I preached on it in November, is Isaiah 26, 8, that just simply says, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. And in Isaiah twenty six eight, basically it's saying that when God calls, the only appropriate response is yes. In the book of Numbers, we see a time when God's people had the opportunity to respond. Numbers chapter twenty three. This is what uh, chapter thirteen, excuse me, verse twenty three. Numbers chapter thirteen, verse twenty three. Here's what's happened. They they've gotten together. They're on the ready for to go in the Promised Land. They're ready to go forward. Uh, God has promised them some great things, and they get together, and they say, let's go send some people over there to see what it's like. So they pick one from each tribe, they pick 12 people, and they send them over. Well, the 12 get over there. Above that, it just tells how they get there. But in verse 23, it says, when they reached the valley of Eskol, which isn't really important to know where, but just that they got there, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Now, you in this room have been to the grocery store before. How would you normally carry a single cluster of grapes? like this, right, or like this. A single cluster of grapes are not that big, all right? So we just assume they they grab some grapes, great, they're grocery shopping in the promised land, all right? Two of them carried it on a pole. Now think about this for a minute. Would it make sense for them to carry a thing of grapes like this on a pole between two guys? This means no, right? So what does that mean? It means the grapes were huge. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Great pastor, we're here. We've had this great glow weekend. We're all gathered around and you're talking about grapes. Here's the point. It just simply meant that it was as good or better than they had ever imagined what God's promised land would be. The grapes were huge. It says, now I want you to get this picture. They had to put a pole between two guys and hang the grapes on them because they couldn't carry them by themselves. And so they get some of this. I mean, you know, you can see them sitting around. The 12 of them are like, you have got to get some of those grapes and take them back. I mean, the, our people are not going to believe this. They have, they have never seen anything like this. They're not going to believe it. So they get all the grapes together. They put, you know, just some pomegranates and figs. I don't know how big the pomegranates and figs were, but they got them. The place was called the Valley of Esco because they cut it off, and after 40 days they return, verse 26. So they come back. And they go to Moses and Aaron and the Israelite community, and they reported to them the whole assembly, and I love this part, and they showed them the fruit of the land. Now, here's the picture. They all get up in a major assembly. Now, I want you to get the idea that there would have been hundreds of thousands of people there. Okay? Imagine the number of people at a Tennessee Titans or Volunteers football game times 15 gathered in one place, ready to hear from the people what this land is like. And they get up and they say, it is unbelievable. It is the greatest thing you've ever seen. Look at the grapes. And they hold them up. They give them this account. We went into the land which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Now, when I was growing up, I was okay with milk. I didn't like honey that much. Like so, what? It's got milk and honey. I can go down to Publix. I can get that. All right. What they're saying is that this is a group of people. Anybody remember what they ate in the in the wilderness? What they were eating at this time? Manna. Anybody remember what the what manna's literal name is? What is it? It was this gooey kind of oatmealish kind of stuff, maybe. And for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they had manna. When we go to Brazil, for lunch we have rice and beans, and for supper we have beans and rice, right? Well, for breakfast they had manna, and for lunch they had manna, and for supper they had manna. Here's the thing. When I get back into the airport from Brazil, and I've been in Brazil for a week, and I walk into the Atlanta or Miami airport, and I see one of those little convenience stores with a Diet Dr. Pepper, X to a Cinnabon or a Starbucks or a McDonald's, my mouth begins to water the moment I see it. Right? Brazil people, you there? People have been abroad, you are there? Okay. Randy Brooks, we thought we were going to, have to take him to treatment for his Mountain Dew addiction uh, in Brazil. And so we get back, and you, you get this idea. Well, imagine you've got hundreds of thousands of people that haven't had anything but manna for weeks, and on the stage they're holding... Grapes on a pole. Those people are like, give me some grapes. Throw it out to the crowd. It'd been like at one of those games where they shoot the t shirts in, right? And it would have been a mad scramble. They wanted this. And so they say, listen, it's unbelievable. The food is there. It's great. It's unbelievable. But, verse 28, but the people that live there are huge, they're powerful. The cities are fortified and large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. You say, so what? Anak was a big dude. And they say, listen, what we're talking about here is an unbelievable land that God has provided for us. But the challenges are too big. As so I was reading through that and reading through the Bible this year, as we're doing together, many of you as a congregation, God gave me this image of this congregation not hundreds of thousands strong but in who we are standing on the edge of the promised land and the report has come back that it is unbelievable it is greater than we could ask or imagine the future of this church is brighter than anything we could think up in our mind it is unbelievable Unbelievable, but the challenges are big. In fact, when God gave me this picture, literally, and I know some of you get nervous sometimes, I get on the edge of the stage. I know I'm on the edge of the stage, okay? Literally like we are on that edge of unbelievable things. And yet, even in my heart, I could hear the buts. Two or three that came to mind, challenges we have. First of all, we have a challenge of money. To do some of the things we're going to talk about doing, it's going to take a lot of money. This isn't the best time to be talking about money. Some of you in this room have had real difficulty because of the economy. Some of you in this room have had difficulty not because of the economy, just because of other things that have happened in your life. Some of you in this room are youth, and you don't have any money. And so to talk about those kind of things is a big deal. There are also challenges of the front door. And what I mean by the front door is people coming in. We've got to invite people in. I believe that over the last two years we have built a strong foundation of what God wants us to build in discipling our people and teaching about Him and doing what we're doing in worship and discipleship time and our youth program and our children's program and our preschool program. We've built the structure. Now it's time to say, come on, let me show you what God is doing for us to go out and to bring people in. And then the last thing is just communication, letting people know who we are, letting you know what's going on. Now, we're taking some steps to do that, the communication we're actually setting up this week, something that will help us as a congregation communicate with one another better, and that will be rolled out over the next few weeks. Uh, One of the things that we're doing is we want to make it easier for people outside to understand us. Anybody know, uh, some of you have come to our church recently, anybody know the number one way people investigate churches today? Websites, right? Eighty-three percent, eighty-four percent, somewhere in that range of people look at your website before they come to your church, and so we need to do some better things with our website. And so we've got a new look that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. This is our new website. Uh, it won't look exactly like this. There'll be some other things on it, but it just has a lot more information on there. To allow you to do some things, parents in the room. We're going to allow you. I know for. GLOW. Our youth are able to, through a website, register for GLOW online. We'll be able to do all registration for all our events online um, immediately. So parents, that's something you are excited about. VBS, uh, camps, all that we can do online. Uh, You'll be able to give online. I know uh, some of you have asked about that. The calendars, you'll be able to go quickly to that. All that stuff will be on there. Some pages from the inside. We're just going to kind of flip through these Uh, You can see, as you go inside, there's a welcome page. Now, obviously, it doesn't have anything on it. That's the lore, ipsum, all that stuff on there. The next one, I think, is for music and worship. You can see just a basic idea. And the last one is a children's ministry one. But all of that is coming up very quickly, all right? And so we're going to be helping the front door open up a little bit by our web presence. But we also need to do some things with our building. This building was built over 40 years ago. How many of you were here when it was built, moved here? Just a few of you. It's interesting that, you know, it's interesting the two services. First service, it was 70%. But what's interesting about that is I found some neat stuff this week. When the church built this building, it was a major step of faith. They bought the land. They built this building. I don't know whether you realize this or not, but our church is shaped uniquely. Anybody notice that? I don't know if you all knew that. I'm glad you did. In fact, we've had three or four architects just around the building in the last um, the last year, year and a half, and the, the word that comes out of their mouth is fascinating. And so, uh, we are going to do some things with our building. This you, I know you can't see anything, and I'm just going to let it know that let you know that we've done some work up there. Uh, these are some blueprints for what's underneath us, the children's area. Uh, one of the things important to us is our children, and uh, we are going to through this project as we feel the Lord has led every child from birth through sixth grade in one area. And so uh, right now, if you're a parent, some of you are a parent in this case or know people, if you have a three- or four-year-old, a second-grader, and a sixth-grader, you now travel to three different areas of our church to take those kids, okay? So from birth through sixth grade would all be underneath us right now. What that allows for is better um, management of our children where they are, better uh, management of of uh, security kind of issues and those things. It gives us space to do some things. Over on the left side of this is all preschool. On the right side is all children. There's a welcome area down there. The hallway would look different. Uh, right over here to the right, that large open space you see is a children's worship area. Uh, the stage back there is actually the current steps in the choir room. The choir room would be gone down there and that would be there. So nobody but children would be down there. Only a couple of access point. Uh, technology with check-in screens and that kind of thing. We've actually got a picture of what that worship area would kind of look like, and I know it's kind of hard to see, but you can see that it looks good, right? Does that look all right? Kids, be a place. Those are the rooms on the side. Um, maybe not that much glass, although Coat has said that he's seen it. That's what it's going to look like, all right? Uh, so it uh, allows us to see in. Kids would have a place where they can worship, where they can do those kind of things, all right? Up here, we're going to do some major stuff in the hallway back there. Um, You can see up on the top right is a new welcome lobby and center, place where people can congregate, get some information. New senior adult classrooms right in the middle, and then all our offices are moved down. Uh, Some different, I'll show you in a minute, some things that you can see in the hallways that look different. Um, But in the sanctuary, the stage would be different, and we would redo all the lighting, the sound, and the video. So you could actually see and hear clearly, okay? In services, I often hear, Pastor, I couldn't hear a thing. And then two seconds later, Pastor, everything was too loud this morning. And they're both right, okay? Now let's show you a couple of pictures of what that outside lobby would look like. So that's actually out those doors, all right? And so you can see the welcome or information center down there. That door that you see, everybody see the door? Say, I see the door. Okay, that glass door, that's the door that goes over to the gym. Okay, and so that's looking down uh, down there, coming out of the door. A little farther down the hallway, you can see a little better the movement in there. You can see the curve at the top, the worship center going in there. Um, but just a little more inviting place for people to come and be a better front door for us. All right? Then upstairs in the youth area, uh, in the middle, and applause breaks out here in the front. See, I almost didn't show this, Jake, you know, just in case. In the middle is a new worship area for them, uh, a little smaller than what they have, and turned a different direction. On both sides is one side is high school, one side is middle school, girls and guys divided. Snack areas in both places, welcome little areas, seating areas, places to go. I don't have any pictures yet. Sorry. I know. Use your own imagination, all right? But that's what we're talking about doing with the building, all right? Let me answer some questions for you quickly, okay? Because I've already shown this to some people, and they say, okay, I've got some questions. Here's some questions. First of all, how much will it cost? A lot. Let me tell you an interesting thing about this building this building um, when they built it this church went in debt seven times its annual budget now what does that mean that would mean for us doing a seven million dollar project we're not it wouldn't cost us seven million dollars to do this this place has served this church just as it is for well over 40 years In fact, this church has been in this building in the same kind of structure that it's in for those 40-something years. Now, here's the thing. When it was built, nobody cared about audio and visual stuff. In fact, if you look on the side, this is an interesting thing about this sanctuary. Those are fluorescent lights on the side there, and that's the only lighting we have on the floor here. Well, back then, you didn't care if it went on a screen where you couldn't see the screen. You didn't care about lighting things for programs because you weren't doing much lighting stuff. You didn't care about acoustics because it was just one microphone, if that, or somebody getting up here and talking loudly. And so ministry has changed. Downstairs, the rooms downstairs in the children's area look very much like school rooms from 40 or 50 years ago because that's how you built them. Well, ministry is different today. And so we're just looking at updating these facilities. Um, Johnny, I think if you'll go to the next slide, that's where questions are they start here's the thing we would need to raise between one and a half and two million dollars to do what we just saw so the next question is how are we going to pay for it well starting today we're kicking off the capital funds campaign where we are going to pray about giving to that over the next three years um, some people say well can we use the building fund that's out there there's some money out there and um, my thought on that is that using the building fund for anything other than children's space would be uh, something we would have to overcome. But the good thing is we're doing a lot of children's space here. here. And so a building fund that was established several years ago for um, people to, we were going to build a building back then, a large building with children's space and education space. We can't build that building right now if we wanted to, and we don't need that building right now. We just need to redo what we've got. And so the question is, we wouldn't use it without talking to the people that gave, that we can, or the church's approval. But my personal opinion is, if we're ever going to use it, this is a perfect project to use it for. All right? So that was the third question up there. How uh, will we use the building fund? The fourth question would be, what happens after the campaign? We're going to do this campaign over the next eight weeks. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And at the end of the campaign, what happens? uh, Hopefully, we have commitments enough to pay for the project. I go to the church and I say, we did it. God did it. God's word has uh, come true. He has blessed us, and we're ready to move forward. I vote that we move into a time of building, that we get a building committee together, we take bids, and we go forward. All right? Well, when would construction begin? Um, I would love to see things happening this fall around here. Okay? I don't know how long it would last. I'm always optimistic on time frames, so I always think it'd be done quickly, more quickly than it can be. But I'd like to think this time next year it's all done, all right, completely done, all right? Sixth thing is, will it happen? The reason we ask that is because this church did a campaign several years ago and nothing has happened. Here's my commitment to you as a pastor. This church moves forward, says, yes, Lord, in the way that we are supposed to. I will do everything in my power according to God's will to see this happen. All right? That's my commitment to you. So here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks. I want to just share this with you quickly, and then I'm going to give you kind of a closing challenge, and we're going to be done. We're starting today with Kickoff Sunday. Anybody know what next week is? Easter, right? Next week is Easter. Here's the thing. We're not going to do a thing with this on Easter, all right? Is that okay? We're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that the tomb was empty. We're going to have Easter, okay? On the 11th, we're going to have an information distribution. You're going to get some things in packets with some of the pictures you've seen, maybe some other pictures, uh, and be able to look at it, talk about it as a family. You're going to get a devotional in there, a 14-day devotional for your family. On the 18th, during our Sunday school time, we're going to do a prayer walk. Now, there will be more information coming out about this, but you're going to do a prayer walk as um, Sunday school classes. What we will probably do on that day is families that want to will walk together, but there may be some that uh, in our youth especially, children, we will put them with families, but in uh, youth especially, some of the youth may do the prayer walk together. Different areas of the church you'll go and pray and be a part of that. All right, And then that following week in mid-April, there are going to be some in-home meetings. And so in homes, uh, you're going to come together, we're going to talk about this, we're going to ask questions, we're going to share what God's doing in our lives. Uh, All of those uh, in-home meetings, when they're in the home, will be at the home of Randy and Lisa Brooks. Um, And so uh, you'll be getting an invitation real soon about those meetings and when you could be here for them. Um, We will have child care on two nights of those is what we plan right now, unless there's a need for a third night here at the church that you can bring your children and they will be kept here while you're at the meeting. Um, And then also uh, following that on the 29th are family conferences. That's you in your home with just your family. There's going to be a 14-day devotional guide. You're going to go through it. On the 14th day, you're going to commit to the Lord what you want to give to this project. Now, there are a couple of reasons we do that. Uh, On the second is Commitment Sunday. One of the reasons we do the family conferences is this. Because usually on Commitment Sunday, a husband and a wife are there, and the time comes to make the commitment, and they look at each other, and they write down a number. They haven't talked about it, they haven't thought about it, and they write down a number, and he passes it over to the wife, and the wife either adds a zero or takes one away. Right? And then there's an argument at lunch, and then there's a revised one, and then, you know, all that. So that gives you the opportunity to fight at home, not here, okay? Now, on the 29th, that'll be a time that I believe that God will bless Your commitment together. On the 2nd will be Commitment Sunday. Anybody know what the 9th of May is? Mother's Day. I am wise enough to not do anything on Mother's Day but Mother's Day. All right? And so on the 16th, we're going to have a celebration here at the church about what God has done. Okay? So those are dates that are coming up, and they're part of this celebration. On that Celebration Sunday, we're going to take up a cash offering, and we're going to ask you to give as much of your commitment up front as you can to get the project going and to get us established and get us uh, in process. All right? Back to the story. All that's good. That's all laid out. You look at the pictures, it looks cool, it looks nice. That'd be exciting. And our story here, the spies come back, they got the big grapes, They say they're giants in the land. Apparently, they've been eating the grapes. There's human growth hormone in the grapes, something. They're huge. We can't go. And it says in Scripture that when they came back, now there were two that said, let's go. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go. Yes, Lord, let's go. But the rest said, we can't. And it says in Scripture that the entire nation of Israel rebelled and said, not right now. And Scripture says that God says, that's fine. But no one in this generation will ever experience the promised land. I believe that as a congregation, we are on the very edge of the promised land. And God is asking us, are you ready to say yes? The Lord has been birthing this vision in my heart really for two and a half years. And there have been several times when I've been ready to just give it. And God says, it's not time. About a year ago, I thought it was time. It's not time. About uh, six months ago, I thought it's it's time. It's not time. In January, we were actually going to do this thing, and God said, it's not time. It's time. Right now, it's time. One of the reasons I know it's time is because I have had three of the most difficult months in my life. In my life, in the last three months, we have seen just some things in our family that have been heartbreaking and difficult. I want to tell you that it all started with something absolutely wonderful, right? We've got a little baby girl. Uh, Susan and I were talking yesterday. We never could have imagined this time last year that we would be holding our baby girl. Um, She's at that stage where she's cooing at me. She's laughing at me most of the time, right? She screams at me less, laughs at me more. That's an improvement, okay? So that was a great thing. But those of you that have had children, having a child, is a difficult process for the first eighteen years of their lives, right? Amen. More than that, amen. All right. We'll get some testimonials if you want to. But the first few months are especially difficult. No sleep, no no, no rest. And here's the thing: it's an amazing thing. I've got two boys, and they still need things done for them, and so that's been difficult. Right after the first of the year, um, our heating, or right before the end of the year, our heating and air conditioning went out in the house. Just out. So, you know, that's a small little price that you have to pay to build and put in a brand new heating and air conditioning unit. So January 8th or 9th, we put in a brand new heating and air unit, paid for it. Wonderful, exciting stuff. About a week later, I developed pneumonia. I mean, my father had developed pneumonia at the time. In that time, about a week after my father had pneumonia, I developed what they think was pneumonia. On my birthday, which was February 3rd, my grandfather had a major heart attack. He passed away a couple of weeks later. We got home from the funeral for my grandfather, and literally days later, found out our 18-year-old nephew had passed away. The Lord, in the midst of that, was trying strengthen what the enemy was trying to do to us. The Lord was constantly with us, and we knew that, but it wasn't easy. After the week after we found out our nephew and went to the funeral, everybody in the house got the stomach virus it just went through, and two weeks ago was the first time that we had a normal week in 2010. Now, if I were an unbeliever, I would just say, well, that is a run of bad luck. But I'm not an unbeliever. And I believe, as we talked about spiritual warfare at the beginning of this year, that Satan knows God is up to something great here. And he is trying everything he can to get us derailed. And so the question really becomes for you, no matter what conflict or difficulties may come, as you're standing on the edge of that promised land, are you willing to say yes? God's given me this vision of this story, and when I was reading it, And those challenges came up in my own heart. And I thought, yeah, Lord, but God literally said this to me. Lyle, remember what happened to the Israelites. They wandered for 40 years. And he said this. Lyle, this is a moment of decision for this church. And if this church says no now, I'm moving along. And I don't know about you but it absolutely breaks my heart to think that I would be part of a church where God was ready to move and we said, not now. And I don't want to be a part of a congregation in the wilderness for any longer. And so the question is, are you willing to say yes?